Miami was looking to make a statement on Wednesday, traveling to Brooklyn to take on the Nets and Kevin Durant, and they made it in dominating fashion thanks to their bruising defense. Wes Goldberg and I will recap tonight's game next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Host of Locked On Heat, the longest-running podcast covering your Miami Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Welcome to everybody who's watching this show on YouTube tonight, the first of many episodes that will post it here. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show to make sure you subscribe to follow to get the best coverage available. With me tonight is Wes Goldberg to help me recap tonight's game, a 106-93 victory over the Brooklyn Nets. And that's, of course, we're still, in the words of Eric Reed, without the unvaccinated Kyrie Irving, but they still had the best player in the world in Kevin Durant as well as James Harden. Miami started off the game well, taking a nice lead in the first quarter, establishing the tone early with some physical defense, getting the benefit of some officiating as well. But eventually the Nets found their rhythm on a 19-6 run midway through the second quarter to take the lead 49-48 and appeared as those things were shifting in Brooklyn's favor. Miami responded with a 14-0 run of their own in the third quarter and basically maintained control of the game throughout the rest of the game. Bam Adebayo scored 10 points in the fourth quarter and led the team in scoring with 24. Jimmy Butler had nearly a triple-double, but to me, the difference maker in tonight's game was P.J. Tucker. 15 points for P.J., a season high, as well as some incredible defense. Wes, what did you make of P.J.'s performance tonight? It was timely, right? Like, you had... Uh, a Heat team that was struggling to make threes early on in the game. And for a lot of the game, what they meant, they they missed 10 of their first 12 or something. And I think the only person yeah. to actually make a three was P.J. Tucker right from that sweet spot in the corner. He made a couple of them. Um, and that really, the Heat didn't end up needing the three-pointers, but the, a, a, a large volume of them, the, they needed the timely ones, right? They needed those early ones from P.J. Tucker. They needed that spurt that they had in that third quarter. They overall, they still only shot, what was it, 30 or 27% from yeah. three-point range. Not good at all, but you got that from P.J. Tucker. And then, of course, you got that awesome defense that he played on Kevin Durant, switching on to James Harden in different moments. That is the P.J. That's why they got P.J. Tucker was for games right. like this. It wasn't for playing Indiana. It wasn't for playing Orlando. It was for playing Milwaukee. It was for, for playing Brooklyn. And already seven days into the season, the Heat have uh, wins over both of the Eastern Conference favorites. Yeah, that, that was a huge thing. Uh, I think... You assemble a team like this knowing that you need a boost of something different. You needed some energy, some tenacity, some kind of defensive presence. And you bring in Kyle Lowry, who's clearly established himself as the team's floor general. But Tucker, kind of an unheralded move, not quite as sexy as the addition of Lowry. And yet he's been a tone setter. Like he just yeah. doesn't quit. He always is willing to defend anybody out there. His switchability made such a huge difference tonight. And again, he was just pissing off everybody. He was always seems to in somebody's face or pulling down a crucial rebound, hustling for the ball, deflecting it. Uh, it's, it was a great addition for Miami, and he seems it's to be sexy. fitting it perfectly. Yeah, sexy enough though. Sexy enough yeah. for Jay Z and Meek Mill to want to introduce themselves and say hi to PJ Tucker. Well, I mean, PJ Tucker, the fashionista. That's a, a whole different argument there. But I mean, Miami's yeah, Miami's defense uh, fantastic tonight. Uh, just holding, what is it? Uh, holding them to thirty-two percent on their three-point shooting. Uh, a combined thirty-nine points from James Harden and Kevin Durant. Uh, that's kind of unheard of there. I, I I thought, well, this is a very different version of Harden. We saw him kind of catch fire a little bit in the second quarter, and you start to think to yourself, oh, well, maybe he's going to finally start to figure it out. 
but the the foul hunting and baiting is just absolutely it's a different level now. The rule changes yeah. have completely hindered who he is as a player, and it was pretty apparent there. Not to mention Miami's defense pretty stifling as well. Yeah, there's a clip going around on social media of James Harden driving to the lane and then doing that flail move where he does this and just sort of throws right. the ball out of bounds, expecting to go to the, the free throw line, and right. he didn't call it. And he was right. just sort of like, what happened? And they're like, you threw the ball out of bounds, man. That's what happened. Um, <laughs> and now the Heat have it. Uh, you mentioned a stifling performance by Miami's defense. This is the fewest amount of points ever scored by the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant in the lineup. That is remarkable. It's actually the fewest, the, the only time the Nets during the Kevin Durant era, while Kevin Durant has been an employee of the Nets, the only time they've ever scored fewer points was in a game where they didn't have Kyrie Irving, James Harden, or Kevin Durant playing. And that was last season. They scored 88, I think it was against Memphis. This was easily the best performance of any defense against the Kevin Durant era Nets. And I know it's only the fourth game this season, and I remember, you know, I, I was just asking some of the Heat players after the game. I asked PJ Tucker about this, Bam Adebayo about this, um, to see if I try to bait them into kind of saying like, if this was a big deal or not, was it a statement win? Because I think it was, but you know, good luck finding an NBA player to actually admit that. Of course, um, not. none of them did, but I'm just gonna say it for them, man. That's a statement win, and so was the Absolutely. one against Milwaukee. And it's something when you get these two wins so early in the year. Um, it's just sort of like a proof of concept, right? Like the Heat went out into the offseason with a plan to beat those teams, and then they did that. Now, I know it doesn't mean they're going to be favorites in the East or they're going to beat these teams in the playoffs, but the way the defense is now I think is really sustainable and it's going to be that calling card that gets the Heat to as however far they're going to get. Now, there are some concerns for this team, namely their three-point shooting. We'll talk about that in the next segment. I'm here with Wes Goldberg. You're listening to Locked on Heat, but first – let me tell you a little bit about a product that we've been talking about for some time. It's called Sweat Block. It's doctor-created, doctor-recommended. Uh, if you've got a profuse sweating problem or if you know somebody who does, then Sweat Block is a solution for you. You put it on. It's good for up to seven days. It's got a money-back guarantee. And believe me, you're going to love this product. It's got 13,000 positive reviews on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it at CVS. You can also find it at sweatblock.com. Let me tell you about a friend of mine. He's a teacher. He was worried about whether or not he would start off the school year with profuse sweating. Sometimes he'd have to change his shirt in the middle of the day. Nobody wants to go through that. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of your students or coworkers or colleagues or anything like that. So he tried Sweatblock, and he absolutely loves it, and you will too. So make sure you go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your order only at sweatblock.com. Again, you can find it at amazon.com, or you can find it at CBS, or you can find it at sweatblock.com. the league in rebounding at 54.3 rebounds per game. I know it's a loser statistic, but it seems like it might be a little important to Miami's success so far. What do you think about the rebounding edge? Because I think Tucker has been phenomenal. Yeah. Jimmy Butler led the team with 14 rebounds. Bam also providing nine rebounds. It just seems like everybody is focused on pulling down those boards, initiating offense, making sure that the opponents doesn't get any kind of second chance opportunities. I think it's been fantastic. I know it's easy to kind of shrug it off. If you don't miss shots, you don't have to worry about rebounds. But for a team like Miami that does struggle offensively at times, the rebounding yeah. edge has been huge. Yeah, I mean, 17 offensive rebounds that led to 31 second chance points. There's your game, right? That's it. Both teams couldn't make a shot. Both teams were pretty good from the free throw line when they got there. Um, that was your game. And 
Eric Spolster talked about it after the game. He said, look, yeah, we got 17 offensive rebounds. We got a bunch of second chance points. Hopefully next time we just make some threes. We don't have as many of those. But if you can't get the three-point shot to fall, that's the way to do it. Bam Adebayo adding 10 to 15 pounds uh, during a, a normal offseason has been helpful. Jimmy Butler doing his thing. Jimmy Butler after the game talking about how Tyler Hero is stealing people's rebounds. Tyler <laughs> Hero quietly eight rebounds tonight, stealing people's rebounds, saying we're, ta- we're having a conversation with him in the locker room about that. Uh, which I found pretty funny, but it's 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 not just Bam, it's not just PJ, it's not just Jimmy. It's a group effort. It really right. is, and that's what it's going to take. And and you're absolutely right, David. I mean, this is we know what this team is defensively. We know what the mentality of this team is. But there are going to be nights where you're not making shots. And if you would have told me that the Heat were going to shoot 27.6 percent, eight for 29 from three point range against the Nets, I've been like, all right, we'll chalk that up as a loss and move on. Right. You know, it's a miss or make lead. Probably a no. blowout loss too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, that that and that's going to be, I think, how the Heat stay, how the Heat offense stays above water on these off nights and throughout the regular season. Do you think the defense is sustainable? Like I, we keep talking about this, and I just keep focusing on that because it just feels like. Miami has just seemed to figure it out so quickly. And you wonder whether or not that second unit is going to figure it out because there's no real strong defender there. And yet you've got Victor Oladipo at some point in time waiting in the wings, no pun intended, hoping to come back to this team. And you know he's going to be able to make a positive impact if he's anywhere close to healthy. And if that's the case, it looks like not just Miami's defense being sustainable, but they could get even better as time goes on. You think that's a chance of that? I think they're going to continue to get better. PJ Tucker talked about it after the game, asked about the switching. He's like, yeah, we've been okay. It's like, what do you okay. mean you've been okay? You just switched the, the hardest team to guard in the NBA. Right. No problem. Held them to a, a low during the Kevin Durant era. Um, he said that they could be good. They can be even great. And I think what he meant by that, and I don't think he was just being facetious. I think what he, or even humble, but I, I what what he meant by it was technically there are still things that this team is working on defensively right. they're still getting to know each other they're still getting to know each other's reads their tendencies hey when am i going to switch this and when when is it time where i'm just going to leave this guy on an island like they're still trying to figure out those technical things um but what they do have and pj said this is the effort the energy um you know like that grit all that stuff they like to talk about all the time and that kind of makes up for some of those technical shortcomings that are expected early on in the season with a new group like you were talking about uh this team is only going to get better as those technical things get polished up um but to answer your question, I, I do think it's sustainable. I mean, you look up and down like, look, they're number one in defensive rating. We knew this was going to be a really good defensive team, especially with the starting lineup, and probably had a chance to be the best defensive team in the NBA. That wasn't going to be a shock to anybody if that were the case. Um, but opponents aren't like opponents aren't shooting great from three-point range from them. They are allowing a lot of threes. That would be my only yeah, like kind of high variance place where I'm like, all right, they're not maybe that's not sustainable, but the Heat, like right now, have like the greatest defense ever by defensive net rating. So even if other teams start shooting better from three point range, and, and that defensive rating is a little bit worse than it is right now, it could still be one of the best, if not the best, defensive rating in the NBA. You know what I mean? It's just it's been that good, and opponents have been shooting that poorly from three point range. But the eye test bears it out too. I mean, a lot of those three pointers, I don't have the number in front of me, but they're contested. They're not high quality looks. They're protecting the rim like nobody's business. They're getting hands in, in into passing lanes, getting a ton of deflections, creating a bunch of steals. Jim Butler had four steals tonight, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I just when you have those kinds of players, it is sustainable. 
Now, you, you mentioned the three-point shooting. You asked Eric Spolster about that pregame, that they can, you know, they, they're tending to give up a, a huge number of three-pointers. I think, what was it, top three in the league at this point in time? Yeah. They were second in the league last year, third the season before that. It just seems like something that may or may not be by design. You and I talked about that. Now, I saw it today. I was trying to look out to see exactly what was happening, and, and there's this fine line where they have to walk, where they – are constantly switching. They're rotating on defense. It looks great, but at some point, it feels like they're almost overhelping. And a big concern for me, anyway, was Jimmy Butler. And, and again, you hate to knock anything Jimmy does defensively because he's so good at almost everything. But yet, there were moments there where he was kind of helping over on Tyler or somebody else on the perimeter, and then leaving a wide open Blake Griffin. That's fine. Griffin's not going right. to knock down those three-point shots, although he did have a couple, I think, in the third quarter or maybe in the second quarter when they went on their run. But I think that's part of the problem is that they kind of just tend to over-rotate. And luckily for them, they've got Kyle Lowry. He's so quick and so good defensively that he can close out and at least challenge those shots, make it difficult for those shooters. But I wonder if that might be something that, that P.J. was kind of hinting at when he said yeah. they could get better. I think that's exactly what it is, right? I mean, that's it's a good read by you. You're, you're, you're probably right, you know, and I, I, I got to probably go back and rewatch the game to try to figure it out. But if they are over switching, if they are over helping, then that's sort of those technical things that they need to polish up like we we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, well, there are some offensive concerns for this team. I think the, there were some, well, not just their three-point shooting in general, which was pretty horrific. I know Spo mentioned it after the game that he wasn't really worried too much about it because at the very least they were open looks. But I think a lot of people on Heat Twitter and Heat fandom in general are kind of turning on Duncan Robinson. Uh, yeah. Just two of, was it two of seven from the floor tonight? Uh, not particularly great. Wasn't able to hit his three pointers. I, I looked, I went back and looked at those shots. They were pretty wide open. I don't see much of a problem with the shots themselves, but he just doesn't seem to have any kind of a natural rhythm. And that's something that's pretty unusual for our shooters like Duncan Robinson. One shot even going off the backboard. Did you see anything there that was kind of alarming or why Duncan wasn't particularly shooting well? I'm going to give you a scale from 0 to 10. Okay. Of how alarmed I am about Duncan Robinson. 10 being I, I know super the answer. alarmed. I know the answer already. Tell it's me. zero. It's zero. It's zero. I am zero <laughs> alarmed. Zero okay. alarmed about Duncan Robinson. I don't care. If he's getting great open shots, fine. He's going to shoot him. It's just like in baseball. Keep swinging. This is this is what shooters do, man. I'm just getting off the Warriors beat here. Clever Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, two of the greatest three-point shooters ever. Steph Curry does not have slumps. I just, like, he just doesn't. Uh, Clay Thompson, like, Steph Curry's slump is like four for 12. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Clay Thompson did. Like, I remember it was three seasons, or yeah, it was the beginning of the 2019 season, their last finals run. He started that year like one for 20-something from three-point range, like just awful. And every reporter just kept saying, are you in a slump? What are you going to do about it? Are you, what are you going to, like, is, is this affecting you? And Clay basically said, no, I'm just going to keep shooting. You know what happened? He just kept shooting and he strung together a bunch of great games and the averages got right, right back up to 40% three-point shooting. And that's what's going to happen. We're having this conversation now, David, and I guarantee you, in a month, Heat fans are going to be having another conversation about, is Duncan Robinson the greatest three-point shooter of all time because he just can't <laughs> miss? I mean, this is just how these things work. Well, that's good because they're going through a really tough stretch with their schedule. They've got some tough challenges. They travel back home on Friday for a game against the Charlotte Hornets. That should be a good one. But other than that, then they start to go on road on the road for a few games. They take on Memphis, and then they also go on to Utah later on yeah. next week. Utah currently undefeated. Uh, that's a tough stretch. So if Duncan is able to catch fire over the next few games, 
that should be well that should be really helpful for miami putting it mildly but uh also just want to let our listeners and viewers at this point know that we've got some big changes uh planned for the locked on heat podcast show in general so you might want to make sure you follow this wherever you get podcasts or if you're following us on youtube make sure you subscribe we can get all the help we need we need all those people to kind of just tune into what we've got going on here because let me tell you this is the best coverage available you're going to want to be a part of it got a new co-host that's coming on the show west mm. it's going to be fun I, I think a lot of you will be excited to see who it is uh maybe a, a slightly familiar voice but i mean it's going to be fun to, to see what happens with the show down the road yeah, I'm really excited to see who it is. There's been a lot of speculation about some potential co-hosts that could be on Twitter. I've seen stuff. Um, you haven't told me. I don't know if this is like a locked on thing. That's just like a secret that it's got to be secret. No, locked it's lips, locked secret. on network. Yeah, absolutely. that's right. It, it's just like the Miami Heat, loose limb uh, seek ships or however that goes. So uh, I'm right. very excited to heat, see who it is. Heat culture, baby. We can't share or you know divulge too many secrets here. But one secret that you should all be familiar with, it's the best tasting protein bar ever that's built bar if you have now what are you doing you're doing yourself a disservice it's the greatest protein bar had it's got all the nutrients you're looking for that fits all types of diets and all the bars are soft easy to chew 100 covered in chocolate and all of them are delicious whatever flavor you like best they've got nine different ones that you can choose from you can get a box of all your favorites or you can get a mix box with two of each flavor so you can mix and match if there's a flavor that you want to share with somebody make sure you give them out to co-workers friends or family i'm sure they'll ha be happy to get those because again around the holidays you're going to want to indulge in an occasional treat and built bar has you covered like nobody else so if you go right now to builtbar.com sorry built.com and use the promo code lock 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order of built bars that's built.com enter the promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your order at built.com You can always reach me via email and me and my new co-host uh, on LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please follow the show and leave a review. Again, big changes coming up in the next couple of days. You want to be staying tuned for that. And we've got great coverage. Wes and I will be at games from now on just providing great insight. Wes will come on the show periodically in order to offer that insight, and you're going to really want to get it. And, of course, you can always make sure – to subscribe to his Substack, Wes, why don't you tell my listeners uh, what where they can find you and your great work? Sure, it's uh, westgoldberg.substack.com. Super easy to find. It's called the West Side. It's essentially my home for all of my South Florida written sports coverage, and uh, I will have uh, insights and analysis and uh, columns on the Miami Heat as well as the Miami Dolphins and anything yep. else that uh, I feel like covering because that's, that's my. <laughs> It's my thing. I get to do it right now. Aside from the Heat and Panthers, there's not much going on in South Florida sports. So you're going to want not much winning going on in South Florida sports. There seems to be a lot of turmoil happening with the the football teams down here. Yeah. Well, we're not concerned about that. It's all Heat culture over That's here. Kyle Crabb's problem over on Locked On Dolphins. He could deal with it. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, the Heat have been doing great. Some fantastic performances over the first four games of the season. They've improved the record at 3-1. and one, But Tyler Hero started off so well. And then over the last couple of games, not necessarily taking a nosedive, but it seems like he's popping up on scouting reports after their first few games where he started really catching on fire. And now everybody seems to be a little bit more aware of what Tyler's doing. I went back, looked at all of his shots 
Some of them were rushed at the end of the shot clock. Overall, I didn't see anything really off with his shot. I know he was rushing it. He's confident he's going to put up that shot. He still finished with, what was it, 14 points on 5 of 17 shooting, 1 of 6 from three-point range. And three-point shooting, that has been a concern because ever since his rookie season, it hasn't been as great. He shot with 38%, 39% as a rookie, 35% last year, and he's probably hovering well below that this season as well. So not great, but... Again, on a scale, to use what you said with Duncan, a scale of 0-10, are you concerned at all about Tyler here? I got another zero for you. I got another zero. Really? I don't know what concern, concerned about him being a future Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't know. But, like, <laughs> I, he, he's fine. Like, he's doing enough. He, and he was really big for them in the middle of that game. He, uh, when, when he came off the bench, um, helped lead a little bit of a run there. 14 points on five or 17 shooting, eight rebounds. I mean, he's at least doing other things. Stealing um, rebounds, apparently. Stealing rebounds. Uh, I'm not concerned about Tyler Hero. He just needs to be a bench scorer. It, it's 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 not a problem. Like the Heat are three and one. They've got two really big wins. They're getting great contributions up and down the roster. If they had to rely on Tyler Hero, the way that Udonis Haslam talked about it to GQ about like, hey, yeah, the way that Atlanta relies on Trey Young the way that Dallas relies on Luka like I don't know then maybe I would be concerned but he just don't need that from him and I and I do and if this was a bad game for him and he's scoring 14 points then that's pretty great like in a weird way you know yeah. like if he's having an off night and he's still scoring double digits the shot selection can always be improved right there's things about his game that can always be improved that stuff you got to believe will be improved and it'll only continue to get better now, you're referencing a fantastic Q&A at GQ.com uh, with Tyler Tynes, I believe, is a reporter yes. who spoke to Udonis Haslam. Boy, if you need an infusion of heat culture, if you have any questions about what Udonis's role on this team are, or if you just want to be able to, in the words of uh, with Alonzo Mourning and all those teams in the 1990s when they were talking about Pat Riley, you want to run through a brick wall. That piece will do it for you. because for all those people so that used to send us questions with the hashtag AskLOHeat about why is Udonis Haslam in like year 15 of Udonis Haslam, now he's in 19. Why is Udonis <laughs> Haslam wasting a roster spot? We should use this on a young player to develop. Read that article. That's right. why. That was written right. for you. That interview is for you. You don't know what you're talking about. David and I were telling you for years, there's a, there's a real role for him on this team that's intangible right. you can't measure. Um, and Udonis Haslam measured it with his own words in that piece. It was very good. Definitely recommend people checking it out. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Tyler because over the last couple of games, he's kind of mixed and matched a little bit. He became like a, a playmaker against the Orlando Magic last time. Tonight, not quite as uh, interested or not involved necessarily as creating shots for others, although he did have some nice passes. But it's nice to see that kind of diversification of his game. Like it just shows that he's evolved a little bit. I think it's been very promising to see him continue to grow, not just as a shooter, but also as a playmaker. Certainly an improvement over he was last year when he was you know, starting a few games and not exactly embracing that role. He wasn't quite cut out for it, but it looks like he's just taking another step in his evolution. And, and I think, look, as much as we joke about muscle watch there, the weight has helped him. He's able to absorb contact. He's getting to the line more. I think he's not thrown off as much. I think he just looks much more comfortable out there. And I think, you know, we've talked about Tyler before, but I think a lot of Heat fans are still interested in seeing his current evolution. And I think we're viewing it this season early on. I think it's sustainable. Uh, what's your overall take on Tyler over yeah. the first couple games of the season? Well, first of all, that's well said. I mean, you're seeing a lot of the other well-rounded parts of his of his game. And that's really why my my 
alarm scale right now is at a zero. First of all, it's too small of a sample. It's been four games. I'm not alarmed about anything in the NBA right now. I'm not overreacting. I'm not underreacting to anything. But uh, what you need to do is watch the games and watch the players play. When you watch Tyler Hero play, he's got more moves in his bag. He's more committed as a playmaker at time to time. He's getting rebounds. He's playing more physical like you like you talked about. All of that adds up to a better Tyler Hero than he was last year and then than he was as a rookie, right? Like this should be the best Tyler Hero we've ever seen. If the shots aren't going in all the time right now, it's not really a big deal. The sample size is much too small to freak out about that. I just want to see the process. I'm not too worried about the results. Yeah, good point. Uh, Dwayne Dedman also coming up big. Had some really nice look. Yeah. I, listen, I, I've been kind of not lukewarm on the addition of Deadman, although I've recently started to come around a little bit more. And then tonight, I think he just had the whole package. Just It looked like Miami, for the first time in a long time, has had enough size to match up with anybody. He was pulling down mm-hmm. rebounds, swatting shots, just challenging guys like Marcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin in traffic. I know they were without their starting center, Nick Claxton, but yet I, I just I like Miami's all of a sudden improvements. And, and Markeith Morris... Let me tell you, that bench is starting to come around. A lot of people were concerned about it. I wasn't as much. Max Drews hasn't quite found his rhythm yet. But at the same time, you're getting improvements from Morris, who just seems to be finding his groove. Deadman providing a spark. It looks really good. I think it silenced a lot of the critics now. And again, it's only going to get better when Victor Ladipo makes his return here. I am really psyched up about watching this team continue to improve and play. Anything else? Any other takeaways from tonight's game? Uh, Birdman vibes from Dwayne Deadman, dare I say, yes. right? Good like just part, good super, what was it? 17 minutes. Yeah. 17 super energetic minutes, six for nine from uh, the line. So not quite as efficient as Birdman because Birdman was like constantly like just three for three overall right. Deadman six for nine, uh, but had nine rebounds. Shooting uh, a jumper most importantly, though. Most Sh- shot. Yeah. Shotting the shooting the jumper. Uh, he shot two jumpers tonight. He shot him against Orlando. I know we were kind of talked about him before as being a three-point shooter in stops yeah. in Sacramento and Atlanta. He hasn't really shot the three so much, but as long Good. as he can get that mid-range, that drive and kick game from Jimmy Butler working yeah. to perfection. Uh most importantly, one foul. This has always been what's gotten Dwayne Dedman <laughs> right. in trouble. It was on some kind of right. BS moving screen, um, which I guess wasn't BS because Dwayne Dedman was like, Yeah, that was me. Like I did that. Uh, but that's a part of his game that really needs to, it kind of kept him out of the league all of last season. What I found right. so interesting was that Dwayne Dedman tonight outplayed Blake Griffin, outplayed mm-hmm. LaMarcus Aldridge. You know who was available before Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge got bought out last year? Dwayne Dedman as a free agent, just begging for a job anywhere. Brooklyn could have went and gotten him. Right. Instead, they waited for the Blake Griffin buyout. They waited for LaMarcus Aldridge, went and got the flashy names instead of Dedman, just right there for the taking. Deadman outplayed those guys tonight. You don't think that was lost on Dwayne Deadman? Those guys pay attention to that kind of stuff. Well, that'll do it for today's show. Another, again, 106-93 and victory for Miami over the Brooklyn Nets. They've beaten the Nets. They've beaten the Bucks. Miami looks legit. Their defense is fantastic. Their offense has been good, and I think it's just going to continue to get better. Uh, that does it for today's episode. The Heat will be back at home on Friday to take on LaMelo Ball and the fast-paced Hornets. I'll be at an FTX Arena to cover it all for you. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's episode. Special thanks to Wes for taking the time to be on today's episode. And thanks to all of you for making us your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil signing off for now.